freedom, man. That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom like the good book says. listening to what on earth is happening this show will discuss the topics of human consciousness mind control natural law the occult and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of earth what on earth is happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches its critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, one and all. You are listening to What on Earth is Happening here on the Oracle Broadcasting Radio Network. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website is whatonearthishappening.com. The network's website, oraclebroadcasting.com. Today is Sunday, April 22nd, 2012. The show is live every Sunday from 5 to 7 p.m. East Coast time. That's 4 to 6 p.m. Central time. And we have a great show planned for you here today. We are going to be continuing our ongoing discussion regarding solutions to the problems that humanity faces in consciousness. In other words, how to get, in, how to get out of the mess that we've created for ourselves here on this planet. And we have been covering the solution known as the non-support of dominators for the last couple of weeks. And we will continue to look into this in incredibly important solution over the next many weeks and we're going to look at things like conscience and justification and apophysis as a solution this is a uh, a word that not many people know about or understand a lot about but we've talked about it before here on what on earth is happening and it's basically called saying no if you want to really put it in uh, very easy to understand terms it's what we shouldn't be doing what we have to start refrain from doing okay so we're going to talk a lot about the power of the negative of saying no no as being a word of power indeed the most powerful word in the universe for that matter so that's coming up on the show today i have a couple of event announcements and i want to uh really recap a little bit about the events that went on earlier today i'm fresh back from the um and the Fed rally for Philadelphia and the Philly Freedom Rally at which uh, Ron Paul uh, just spoke here in Philadelphia. And uh, I have some constructive criticisms that I'd like to give for these events. Um, I'm not going to just uh, praise them uh completely because I think that there were some things today that could have been done a lot better than how they were done. So, um, you know, it's good that people all got together uh, in the name of a good cause, but there's still a lot of work that needs to be done in making these uh, meetings really effective, truly effective. So uh, I'll be talking about that in the next segment. I do have a couple of quick event announcements. Um, 
I am going to be on uh, Occult Empire. I will be interviewed on Occult Empire uh, tomorrow evening. Okay, that's Monday, April 23rd at 8 p.m. I'll be interviewed by Bob from Cincinnati on the Occult Empire show on the Antimatter Zone Network. I posted a uh, announcement and a link in the news section of the website. Also in the news section, look for the show that I just did on the Vinny, uh, on Vinny, with Vinny Eastwood. Vinny Eastwood uh, brought myself, Freighter X, and Curtis Davis uh, onto the show for a roundtable discussion on uh, general occultism. And it was uh, a really great show. That's posted in the news section as well. I have a couple of quick other quick event announcements when we come back. Stick around, folks. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. This is What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. I want to get back into some event announcements uh, for events taking place here in the Philadelphia area. And I want to talk a little bit about the events that took place today here in Philadelphia and offer some constructive criticism in this segment. So um, uh, I mentioned that I would be on uh, Occult Empire in the last segment uh, on uh, tomorrow night. And uh, I neglected to mention the topic. The topic will be the Rosicrucian tradition. So we're going to be looking at the teachings of true esoteric Rosicrucianism. And um, that should be a very interesting topic to talk about with Bob. So the Truth, Freedom, Prosperity documentary night for this month, as always, happens on the last Wednesday of every month. This month, that's Wednesday, April 25th. And we'll be meeting at 7 o'clock p.m. at Media Bureau Studios, which is at the corner of 4th and Brown. Exact address is 725 North 4th Street in the Northern Liberty section of Philadelphia. The film for this month is Chimatica, which is an excellent film. talks a lot about the change in consciousness that is required to overcome the problems that humanity is currently beset with. And um, I, I still think that so many people still do not understand that a tremendous change in consciousness and worldview is required, that we are not going to vote our way out of this mess, that there is no political solution, that there is no economic solution. There is only philosophical solutions. There is only solutions that are rooted in consciousness and natural law. Nothing else is going to get us out of where we are at right now. So if you want to continue to believe all the opposite junk that's, that's sold out there to people as uh, little uh, cul-de-sacs before you reach the gold mine, before you actually reach the real truth regarding the why, the actual causal factors regarding why this is actually happening to humanity and how to get out of that state, um, go right ahead and believe whatever you want to believe. It's your suffering. It's, it's, it's ultimately your funeral. You know, so I'm again, as I've said many times on the show, and will continue to repeat, I'm not here to make front friends and tell people what they want to hear. I'm here to tell people the truth. So there's no political solution, and too many people still don't understand that. And I saw a lot of that today, you know, but I, I should have expected as much, but you know, um, we still have a long way to go, folks, is what I'm basically trying to say. So, um, 
let's see. I will also be interviewed on Occult Science Radio with Curtis Davis. Uh, he, he is also known as the Illuminated One, and uh, he will be interviewing me on Monday, May 7th, 2012 at 8.30 p.m. on his show Occult Science Radio. Uh, that's broadcast, I believe, on Blog, blog Talk Radio. So um, uh, enjoyed uh, appearing with Curtis and Freda Rex on Vinny, the Vinnie Eastwood show this past Tuesday. Again, check that out in the news archive. Uh, so it should be a great interview, and I'm sure we'll be getting into all things occult on that radio program. So look for that coming up in the near future. So I want to get into the end the Fed rally for Philadelphia that happened earlier today and the Philly Freedom Rally at which Ron Paul spoke earlier today. And I have to say that overall, I'm a little bit disappointed. And I, you know, I'm sure some people will say, well, who cares? Who are you? Um, uh, I'm, I'm not anyone special, but I just want to offer some constructive criticism because there's things that could definitely have been done better. And I think a part of the first thing is that the end the Fed rally looked more like the Ron Paul rally and speech than an end the Fed rally, you know? I mean, first of all, people who hardly ever show out to an end the Fed rally here in Philadelphia were all there because Ron Paul was speaking later, you know, which of course you're going to expect because, you know, a big political candidate is making a speech in, in a major city. But, you know, these people need to uh, come out when there's a regular end the Fed rally and Ron Paul isn't speaking. But you saw a big increase in numbers today. For, for a rally like this simply because he was speaking. And of course, many people will just expect that, yeah, and say that's how it is, but it shouldn't be that way. You know, people should, you know, be coming out and supporting this effort regardless of who's speaking at it because it's the right thing to do and because you re recognize the people at the Fed are one of the, at one of the core problems and issues that is, is basically keeping people in, um, extremely low consciousness by making them have to fight for survival because of their the machinations that they do with the American dollar with the with the the currency unit that is actively being used and believed in by the public so the things that they do are so incredibly immoral and need to be pointed out and understood by people and and here that this brings me to the next part not only did you know a bunch of people come out that aren't ordinarily there you know, just because their political candidate is is uh, making an appearance. But we also saw, uh, what I noticed is that hardly anyone uses these opportunities as outreach to the general public. They come out in this in the sense of, well, I'm going to take part in an event with all people who are like-minded, you know, people who think like me. And that's all great and wonderful. And, you know, you should basically gather with people who are like-minded. It's good to do. But, the point here is you're trying to call attention to the wrongdoing of the Federal Reserve System so that people can strive to put that immoral system to an end. And hardly anybody comes out with any flyers or handouts or information to give to the unaware public. Myself, one, one or two other gentlemen, and um, a few... A couple of organizers, tops at, at the rally, actually brought information. I want to say thanks to uh, um, to um, Kevin, who uh, interviewed me on uh, his show Tinfoil Hat Area. 
he brought out a ton of DVDs, Kevin Tilsner, a ton of DVDs, a whole box full of DVDs, documentary films to give to people. That's great. That's what this is supposed to be about. A march is supposed to be about outreach, calling attention to yourselves so that you can get other people to look at the information you have to present them with. It's not a, just about getting out and yelling in the street and, and being alongside other like-minded people like a party, okay? And too many people don't understand this. So there might have been three or four people actually giving out information, and that's not going to get it done. Ladies and gentlemen, and I'm saying this not just even for the Philadelphia rally, I'm saying any kind of action that is being taken. You need to come prepared with information as a, as a weapon. This is a weapon in the information war. You know, and if you're not coming armed, what's the point? You know, there's a war on for people's minds. It's an information war, and people are coming unarmed to the battlefield, which is the streets of America. You're not going to convince anybody or change their mind about anything that's going on if you're not prepared to offer them information. And I saw too much yelling and screaming and chanting and way too little information sharing. So I don't really care who set, ha, it takes umbrage with me for bringing up this point. I'm going to call it as I see it. And I also want to talk about the pace of the event march, which was way off. And that, you know, really is a detriment to the entire thing. People have to be better prepared and understand the psychology that needs to go behind something like this because we're not getting it done, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm going to pick this up on the other side and then we'll get into the subject matter. We'll be right back, folks. Welcome back. This is What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. I'm going to continue with a little bit more constructive criticism of the uh, uh, and the Fed and Philly Freedom Rally that took place earlier today here in Philadelphia. Uh, the good things were people turned out. It was a great turnout even on a rainy day. I mean, it was a terribly um, dismal day here in Philadelphia today, uh, cold, damp, raining constantly, just a miserable day, basically. Um, and yet there was still a great turnout. That's good. I mean, that's a good uh, show of willpower on the part of the people here in Philadelphia and the surrounding area to come out even in um, really bad weather. But as far as information goes, uh, I would have really liked to see better information sharing at the end of the Fed rally, and I would have liked, you know, the Ron Paul stuff to be toned down at the end of the Fed rally because it wasn't about supposed to be about Ron Paul. Yes, he does bring attention to the Federal Reserve and, you know, how bad they are for this country, but you have to make it about what the march is about. And too many people came there with Ron Paul signs instead of end the Fed signs, you know, or information about the Federal Reserve that they want to give to people. And then you're cross-mixing your messages in the minds of other people. You know, are you here to talk about the Fed or are you here to support a political candidate? And yeah, I understand he supports the ending of the Fed. But again, people in 
the vicinity who don't know what your march is about are not going to receive that message. They're going to only focus on the Ron Paul stuff. I think this is an overarching failing on the part of the and the Fed rallies in general that it brings out, you know, Ron's, Ron Paul supporters because he supports the ending of the Fed, but people aren't hammering home the message about the Fed. They're drawing too much attention to Ron Paul as a political candidate, and then that turns a lot of people off to your actual message, which is supposed to be about what the Fed is, what they're doing, and why they're bad for everybody in this country and really throughout the world. So the other aspect of that I really saw uh, as far as some of the organizers of the march dropping the ball is that the, the pace was way, way too fast, way too fast. And again, I'm not trying to create any divisiveness or division here. I'm trying to offer some constructive criticism. You're not offering, first of all, when you're doing a, a, an action march like this, you want to be seen and you want to be seen for as long of a period of time as possible. And this the pace of this march was rushed, of this end of Fed march, was rushed so badly that it felt like it was over in less than 30 minutes. It probably took about 35 minutes. And I think this should have been dragged out over a period of two hours minimum, you know, to walk that distance that we walked today. It should be slow, a slow, deliberate, leisure, almost leisurely pace so that you have time to engage with people on the sides of the march, put information into their hands, talk with them briefly, and then maybe catch up with, you know, your place in, in, the, in the crowd that you were at. I mean, you stopped to hand somebody a flyer, they were a block down, down, the, uh, down Market Street. And this is, it's just, that's unacceptable. It's, it's something that has to be worked out beforehand so that the people at the head of the line understand you're setting the pace and they walked like they were running a marathon, not like they were trying to uh, educate their fellow American citizens in a major city. Okay. So I have a big problem with how that was conducted at the front of the line. Whoever was out up there drop the ball as far as I'm concerned. So I, I wasn't happy about that because, I mean, like I said, you try to sit and engage with somebody for a second, to hand them a, a flyer about what the Fed is. They don't know. You know, you want to just briefly give them a sound bite of information so hopefully they'll look it up and start learning on their own. And, you know, the, the march is, you know, way up and you can barely even catch up to it. So... That should be discussed and strategy like that should be uh, discussed and be known about and people should be on the same page about it before something like this is even conducted and it seems like that really wasn't done. And I, I've actually mentioned that in the past that the paces have been too fast for these and this one was the worst out of them all. It, it, it seemingly got even faster. So that's something that definitely needs to be looked at. Um, and barring the bad weather, which obviously there's no point in complaining about that. It is what it is. That's the weather. The speech at the Independence Visitor Center uh, where Ron Paul spoke in front of, I wish that I could tell people in the audience what Ron Paul even talked about today, but I can't because I could barely hear him. The PA system was deplorable. 
people even a little bit far back from the front, and I wasn't that far back, there were people that were probably a city block behind where I was standing, okay? You couldn't hear at all. It was completely muffled, and the PA was completely inadequate for the job, for the task at hand. And I'm told that this was not like this in, in past uh, speeches, that there were s significant PA systems brought, raised up on, uh, you know, uh, PA uh, pole systems so that they're up above the stage. And this didn't seem like it was done. It was, seemed like it was a completely inadequate PA to transmit sound to a size of this magnet, a, a, a crowd the size of this magnitude and covering the uh, land area that they covered. I'd say it was a great crowd. There were several thousand people out there, but you didn't have the organizers did not have a PA set up that was adequate to the task at hand. That's it. And I I can't even tell people what Ron Paul's speech was about because while I could uh, decently see him from where I was standing, I couldn't hear him at all. It was completely muffled. I mean, it sounded uh, you know to not to even make fun about it, but it sounded worse than Charlie Brown's teacher. That's how muffled it was. Okay, and that's, I'm sorry, but uh, I have to call it the way I see it, and that's unacceptable. If proper planning was done, and I'm sure there was mo monies were there to uh, adequately there to provide for whatever sound uh, specifications need to be needed to be provided for, I see all. I also see this as a dropping of the ball, and and again, you know. You could say, oh, who are you to, to mention this? I'm someone who's trying to get the me message out. That's who I am. And the way I see it, Ron Paul came here to F Philadelphia to deliver, to deliver a message, and the venue was not even equipped to make him able to do that. And that's the bottom line, is his message could not really reach people's eyes and ears because the sound equipment was inadequate for that task. So that's... All I have to say about what took place today, uh, overall, I have to rate it a tremendous disappointment for myself. Other people may have see seen it differently, but uh, I'm going to say it how I see it. So uh, perhaps if you were up in the first couple of rows and you had a great, great seat and you were able to hear it, wonderful. I'm happy for you. But um, uh, the majority of that crowd, and a lot of them came from places outside of this area, did not even get to hear what was said. They did not even get to hear the message. And if they did, at least they didn't get to hear it very well. Because again, it was extremely muffled and very low, and you had to strain to hear. And if there was any even slight rustling or noise around you, which there always is in a, in a size of that crowd, it was extremely difficult to pay attention and hear because there was not enough volume generated by that PA system, or clarity for that matter. So that's my uh, word on the uh, two rallies. I, I hope people you know, try to start getting it together a little better and make a more professional effort when it comes to doing this, because we have very little time to get this word out to people, folks. So um, I know that we can do better. Let's put it that way. I know we can. Getting into the subject
everyone's attention to the what on earth is happening.com website the radio show page underneath the player as with most of the shows that i do there will be uh, links for images for today's show you can click on any of those numbered links and it will bring up images with um slides basically that are related to what i'm going to be talking about here today on the show those will also be posted with the podcast and this will be podcast number 104. So, the first image is, of course, uh, an image I've been displaying here uh, every week that I've been talking about solutions because I call this entire solutions section the way out. It is indeed the way out of the, the quagmire, the absolute prison of consciousness that we have created for ourselves here on earth. These are real solutions that can be enacted with enough willpower to change consciousness and to change our current conditions so that we can stop creating self-inflicted suffering and actually thrive here on this planet. Slide number two is the list of grassroots solutions that we've been talking about and will continue to discuss and continue to have guests on the show to discuss these solutions with. We've covered most of the ones in the all of the ones actually in the left hand column, and we've covered uh, developing mindfulness in the right hand column. We've been looking at over the past few weeks the non support of dominators, and the topics that I've been talking about are directly related to understanding why we need to stop supporting these individuals, namely police and military, but also everyone else who is involved in government jobs in the entire institution of government and authority this is what we are trying to pull support back from this is a religion ladies and gentlemen if you didn't catch the shows that i did on what really what religion really is okay and what the actual religions of the world that people truly believe in are go back and listen to that in the podcast section because religion is the entire problem with this planet. And I'm not talking about organized world religions like Christianity, Judaism, Islam, etc. There's problems with them, yes. We talked about how they're all astro-theologically based and are basically telling a cover story to obscure the real mystery tradition that does lie at the heart of those traditions if one digs deep enough and gets past the astro-theological garbage to recognize the real allegory that lies beneath that's all about the human soul and all about the human conscience. But so few people do dig deeply enough to do that. Uh, when, I, when I say religion in this context, I mean the things that are actually holding back the evolutionary progress of humanity. That's what religion is. It's that which holds back from the Latin verb religare, meaning to hold back to thwart, to bind, to bind by tying, okay, to hold back by tying, and that's what this is. This is tying up the human consciousness, tying up the mind, mind control, binding of the mind, and the human psyche, and the human conscience. So when I say religion, I'm talking about government and money the religion of authority, the religion 
of money. These are religions that people believe in unquestioningly. This is dogma is what it is. And that's what the non-supportive dominators is ultimately about. What I'm really actually attempting to ask people to do is to abandon a religion, to give up their religion of authority. That This is no small task. And only a person with an extreme amount of willpower is even going to try to take on the task to get people to abandon their religion. Because they know how powerful religion is over the mind. That's why it's used as a form of mind control. So this solution is going to take many weeks to explain, to get all the concepts out that I want to get out. I'm going to take my time. What we don't cover, we'll do in future shows. And as I've said before, it will take as long as it takes. I'm going to spend a lot of time on this topic. Because without understanding that there is no right to forcibly dominate and impose your will on other people, just because a law has been scribbled down by any man or group of men, okay, men and women for that matter, or group of people, okay, uh, rights don't automatically become invented. You know, rights do not become created and then you're allowed to do those things to forcibly impose your will on other people who aren't harming anyone. And people need to understand this. And this is the apophatic understanding of rights. You understand what your rights are by understanding what they are not, what you do not have the right to do to another person. Too many people believe that there are rights that don't exist and that they have these rights magically just because someone wrote down something in a book or on a piece of paper. So, and this is a religion, you know, believing in that level of authority is a religion, which I am attempting to help people to give up, to quit, to quit a religion. This is an addiction of the mind. It's actually an addiction of the soul because people are addicted to something that, to a belief system that is untrue, that is not based in reality, that is not based in truth, that is not based in natural law. And is completely erroneous and has absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with the laws of nature or of reality itself. It is a construct that exists only in a diseased mind. So we began talking about the concept of, not the concept, the reality of what conscience actually is last week. What is conscience? And how is that different from the exercise of conscience? Actually using conscience. Because the two are not the same. One can have a conscience and not really exercise it, not use it. I'd say that's a very, very bad position to be in, to have a conscience and not actually exercise it or use it. Um, Because then you're really bearing a lot of moral culpability. You know, when you really do know the difference between right and wrong and you're willfully choosing the wrong over the right, that's some bad news. You know, I wouldn't want to be in that situation. But most people don't even have a conscience. Most people don't have common sense anymore. It's not present in humanity in any large quantities. Because most people do not have the definitive knowledge of right and wrong, which is what conscience is. So we talked about last week, conscience comes from the Latin words con, which is a prefix meaning together or with. Together or with. And a skio, skiere, 
which means to know or to understand. So when you put them together, conscience, okay, science means to know. It comes from skio skiere, knowledge, okay? And this is what this is all about, an actual science. This is about a science of the soul, okay? A knowing of natural law, a discovery of these laws of creation which are already in place, which man did not create, that nature created, regardless of what you want to think of as that force, you want to call it the creator, you want to call it God, no problem, go right ahead, okay? Whether people are comfortable or uncomfortable with that term, I could personally care less, but call it whatever you like. I like to term it the dynamic, intelligent, underlying principles of creation itself that basically determine reality, okay? That that make this construct that we call the actual physical universe alive, dynamic, extant at all, in existence, period. That's what gives rise to natural law. And do I know why it does? No. It is that way. We need to understand that it is that way, that there are laws in operation that govern conduct, that govern behavior, and the experience that must be lived as a result of certain behaviors or not taking other behaviors. You know, we have to understand there are consequences for the behaviors that we choose. Yes, we have free will choice to determine how we're going to act, but ultimately we don't have free will when it comes to the experience of that choice. That must come into manifestation and be experienced. That's it. In other words, you could ignore reality, but you can't ignore the consequences of reality. You make a choice, okay, which you have free will to choose how you will behave, but ultimately you don't have the choice as to whether to experience the consequences of that behavior. You are going to experience the consequences of that choice. Okay? And whether you make that choice or not, whether you're actively making a choice or even if you're sitting back on the sidelines trying not to act because you don't want the responsibility that comes with action, it doesn't matter. You're still going to... ...operates. Folks... Before we're talking about conscious justification and a process. Happening.com. Today on the show, we're talking about conscience, and I was uh, basically breaking down the word conscience and defining it in slide number four is what we're looking at if you're following along on the um, slideshow on the What on Earth is Happening radio show page. So, conscience means to know together, to come to a state of knowing, of knowledge together. It is common sense knowledge, common sense understanding, okay? And what kind of knowledge it is, is it is the 
possess, to have conscience means that you are in possession of the definitive knowledge of the difference between right and wrong under natural law. Natural law, the laws of creation, you could call it the laws of behavioral consequence or the laws of cause and effect, many people have termed it as well. These were not made by man. The universe created these laws. And they're not suggestions or opinions. It's not natural suggestions. It's natural law, meaning you can attempt to go against it, but there are repercussions and consequences for that. It's always in operation, just like gravity. Well, you could attempt to defy gravity. You know, jump off of a tall building and try to defy gravity. Guaranteed, you're not going to get away with defying a natural law like that. You can think you are all you want, but it's in effect. You're bound by it while you're in a physical body. You know, when you're not in a physical body, then let's worry about that you could jump off that building and, you know, somehow float through the air. Or when superhuman capabilities have evolved in humanity, then perhaps that might be possible. But you're right here right now in 2012 in a physical human skin suit. And good luck with that. You want to believe you can? Wonderful. Enjoy. Enjoy what you're going to get. And that's like, I feel like every day that's what I'm really trying to explain to people with all of this information. People who are determined to leap off that building or that cliff and they, they want to tell me all the way down that they don't believe in gravity. Well, enjoy. Good luck. Enjoy what you have. You know, don't expect it to improve either. Because natural law is always operating. It's always in effect and you're always bound by it. Period. The end. For infinity. That's it. The problem is people hate that. And they think that that's some kind of a prison and not guidelines that are there to help us to progress in evolution and in consciousness so that we could basically become co-creators with that force, that dynamic living intelligence that underlies all of creation itself, and then be, basically be able to make whatever we want to make because we're aligning ourselves with the power and majesty of all creation, of the universe itself, of the all. But people can't wrap their mind around the concept that that's why natural law is in place, to help us to evolve to a point of becoming conscious co-creators with the divine. No, they want to rebel against that understanding. They want to rebel against that. They want to, they want it to be, have it both ways. They want to say, I can do whatever I want and there's no consequences for anything I do. So I could be as ignorant as I want and somehow I could still magically be free. And I told you, ladies and gentlemen, the gloves were coming off that like, I'm not going to be apologetic for human stupidity anymore because this needs to just be explained in as overt, in as upfront and, and if, if necessary, in as harsh terms as is needed to get people to sit up and pay attention because there's no more time for baby to hit the snooze button on the alarm clock of the universe anymore the cosmic alarm clock. The snooze button is broken. And now baby is go who needs to become an adult is going to get dragged up by the hair, thrown on the floor and kicked around till he decides to wake up. 
All right. There's not enough time to baby spoon feed this stuff to people anymore. They need to become psychologically and emotionally mature before they destroy themselves. So the possession of the definitive knowledge of right and wrong under natural law is what conscience actually is. It is knowledge. Conscience is knowledge. That's what something people don't understand. It isn't the behavior itself. Okay, the exercise of conscience is the taking of certain action that is either in keeping with natural law or not in keeping with natural law. So the exercise of conscience, I explain on slide number five. This is the willful choosing. Once you do know, you're making a willful choice to act in a certain way. It's the willful choosing of right action over wrong action. You're recognizing one is better than the other. That one brings you that which you do wish for and desire, and one does not get you the, the correct results that you're looking for. This is how simple natural law is. There is right and wrong. You need to discover what a right is so that you can take action that is in keeping with right. You need to know what right is by understanding what wrongs are. Here's the things you may not do under natural law because it brings harm to another being. And then just say no to that. Stop doing that, which is why I love the images be that I've chosen to use behind this. And whoever made this, it's I think they may even have a very deep understanding. I don't know the per the person who actually, you know, portrayed an image of an angel the way that they did uh, in the background of these slides. But I love that the angel is holding their hand up as if to say stop, as if to say don't do that. This is the concept of the negative, the affirmation through negation, coming to a place of conscience by stopping oneself. It's about self-control. It's about saying, no, I will not do that. Saying no, which is what apophysis is, okay? And that's what the this you know, archetypal image of an angel is putting their hand up as if to say, no, don't do that. Don't go there. Because you know that road only leads to death and destruction and chaos when we choose the wrong over the right. The, con the exercise of conscience is the willful choosing of right action over wrong action once the definitive knowledge of the difference between right and wrong under natural law has been acquired by an individual. So you know first you take the knowledge into yourself first and you don't have doubt about it. You know what right is. You know what wrong is. The knowledge is not shades of gray. It is not relative. It is absolute. It is objective. It is definitive. So you have definitive knowledge of what right is and what wrong is, what rights are not. And then you willfully, deliberately actively choose the right over the wrong because you know that that is the decision that will lead to the greatest amount of prosperity, success, happiness, peace, freedom, you name it. And the, the willful choice of the wrong over the right is always going to bring the opposite of those things. Destruction, chaos, suffering, enslavement, And I would say many people do not understand that this is how the universe works. 
not only don't they understand, they hate the people who try to explain to them that this is how the universe works because they want to believe you can defy gravity and prosper. They want to believe you can walk off that cliff and just magically float and that even if you're in a 1G field like you are here on Earth, you're not going to hit the ground and, and break bones or die. That's not going to happen to me. I could defy the laws of nature and be completely and utterly insulated from the repercussions. And the reason they hate that these laws are in effect and they hate when people try to explain it as simply, clearly, and concisely as I have been explaining it is because they don't want the personal responsibility that goes along with that knowledge. They want to remain eternal cosmic children thinking that they can bear no responsibility for their own actions and somehow prosper. Well, good luck, folks. That's why we're in this mess. That's why you are being enslaved, because you keep rebelling at that law. natural law. The next three slides are a brief review of natural law. I briefly did this last week. I'm going to repeat that information again, not take up a whole lot of time, but I want to just hammer this home because I want to get to talking about why. I'm going to make a very controversial blanket statement, okay? There has never been in the history of humanity any police officer or soldier who has truly exercised his conscience. It is an impossibility. And I'm going to explain why I'm going to make a blanket statement like that. Okay. That person does not have a fully developed sense of conscience and is not willfully choosing to exercise it. Yes, they can have moments where they are exercising conscience, but that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying they cannot be a being that is willfully choosing to exercise their conscience and to allow their conscience to direct their actions. And there has never, ever in history been a being who is still doing that job and in that in an institution like that that has ever been a follower a true follower of conscience blanket statement people hate blanket statements because blanket statements reveal in many situations where they are true the absolute nature of truth People hate the absolute nature of truth. They love relativism. Relativism gives them excuses, gives them 
reasons for to make excuses. It gives them opportunities for justification, which we're going to talk a lot about. Okay? And there are blanket statements that are not true, and there are other blanket statements that are true. People have to understand we've been sold this absolute bunk, new age, and political lie that, and this comes from these outcome-based education schools too, you know, pushing this propaganda crap down children's throats that any statement that ever begins with all or always or every can never be true. And this is utter bunk. This is utter, complete nonsense. There are blanket statements, and I've talked about this in the past on the show, that are absolutely true. All, every, in every circumstance, in every situation, unequivocally, every time. And you can follow that up with certain qualifying statements, and that would be true. So I'm telling you, every cop and soldier in the history of the human species has not been truly following conscience. And I'm not even using the term their conscience, you'll notice. And that's deliberate because conscience isn't different for me than it is for you. That's why it's called common knowledge. Common, meaning shared, meaning together, meaning it's all the same for everyone. Rights aren't different for some people than for others. Right and wrong isn't different for some people than it is for others. It is the same for everyone. At all places, at all times, everywhere in creation. And that's why there isn't my conscience or your conscience. There is only conscience. And whether you are following it or not, whether you are exercising it or not. It's a powerful yet absolutely true concept to get into your head without any doubt that's the case and natural law and slide number six has a chart that I posted during the podcasts uh, the radio shows on natural law and I'm going to briefly revisit three of these slides because they're directly related with conscience they're directly related with the definitive knowledge of natural law the difference between right and wrong truly and which so few people have it's so sad to, be, to have to – For I even look at it as bizarre that I am going on the air waves and attempting to explain the difference between right and wrong to an entire population. And I, I know that the listening audience, the general listening audience to Oracle gets a lot of what I'm saying. Maybe some perhaps don't, but I'd, I'd like to think that the majority – 
understand this material to, to some extent or another, but to, to know that the masses at large have no idea about any of this, you know, and have been brainwashed into believing that everything is relative, it, it's, it's bad, I mean, we're, we're in a worse situation than we would imagine. And just like I saw today, we can't imagine that just because we know this, other people don't. I mean, we walked past some people on Market Street that you could just tell weren't even present. You know, their mind was somewhere else. They're not in the present moment. They're in reptile brain mode and behavior and are all focused on survival, the next buck, the next thing I need to buy. You know, they're not thinking about anything conceptual. They're not thinking about real ideas. They're not worried about what right and wrong is. I mean, they're so degraded down to a level of consciousness that barely resembles a human being. And I'm telling you, I'm not the person to just directly help these people like that. I, uh, pe- people who do understand this knowledge need other people to get it so that they can help in this battle. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's like a tag team effort. And it's like the people who have been in this battle for a long time and have really understood this deeply for a long time are tired and need somebody to tag out to for a little while. You know, that's why I say I'm doing this for to create a more vertical approach for this information. I don't really care if people who are resistant to this knowledge now don't get it now as I'm explaining it. I'm trying to create other teachers. That's who this show is for. You know, people make the absolutely erroneous, have the absolutely erroneous impression that I'm doing this to try to educate every last one of the masses who absolutely don't get it at all. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to bring people who want to get this up to a higher level of understanding so that they can become lights in their communities. That's what my role here is, to act as an intermediary for those people. You know, someone that could, you know, transmit a little bit of this information out so that other people can get it and come way up to a higher level than they once were. And then they can go out and start working on those lower Uh, those individuals who are in lower states of consciousness because quite frankly, ladies and gentlemen, I don't have the patience to do it. You know? I mean, I I see where people are at and man, dude, it it is bad. I mean, uh, one gentleman on Market Street today as we were marching tried to accuse me of being racist when he knew, knew zero about me and who I am and what I know. And how I think. I mean, imagine that because, uh, and that was because of the Ron Paul signs. Because he buys into this corporate mainstream BS that Ron Paul is somehow racist. You know, because he doesn't want the government telling people that they have to choose uh, right over wrong. You know, forcing them. He wants people to make that decision and come to that understanding on their own. And perhaps even decide, I'm not going to frequent an establishment that is bigoted. And does treat people differently based on race. Well, may- maybe that is what should happen. Maybe instead of the government telling everybody how they need to behave or not behave, people should have common sense, know the difference between right and wrong, and then decide, I'm going to make repercussions uh, necessary to be experienced by someone that decides to open a business and, s- a business and say, uh, I'm not going to serve people of certain racial groups. 
Of course they should suffer consequences for that, but not because government uh, wants to say that they're not allowed to do it. I think nobody should frequent an establishment like that. You should use your will to say no. Imagine that. There's that concept again. I'm going to say no to what's wrong, and that's how I'm going to do right, by saying no to evil. You know, and the New Age movement is another propagandizing tool to try to get people to think that this is not about anything negative. Never look at the bad. Only focus on the good. The world is all happiness and flowers and peace and roses. And we're going to look through our rose-colored glasses at the world that has absolutely nothing to do with reality and yet believe that it's some magical, wonderful place that we want to li like to think it is. And we don't really have to be confrontational at all with other people. We don't have to call them on their BS, you know. We don't have to get up in their face ever and say, look, you're doing the wrong thing and I'm not going to take it anymore. That's it. No, no. The New Age movement is about sitting in a lotus position, meditating, and suddenly uh, manifesting a better reality and not one iota of action is required. What, what absolute... There's not even a word for it, okay? If you buy into this, I feel sorry for you, okay? And too many people do. They get into that whole mode too because they don't want to hear anything harsh. Oh, I don't want to hear any harsh words. I want everything told to me in the most sweet and pleasant tones imaginable. You're a child. Let's face it, that's what a child is like. And that's how society has made these individuals. Well, let's get back to the slides on natural law. The first slide shows the difference between right and wrong. Very simply and succinctly. There's a reason the word right is used for both correct, as in factually correct, and, in, and moral. Meaning doing the right thing. Because if your information is correct, is factual, is based in truth, you're going to take actions that are based in natural law, that are moral, that are based in morality, okay? Your actions that are based in right, what you have a right to do, actions based in right do not result in harm to other beings, period. I put sentient beings. This is all beings, individuated beings, okay? That includes animals, people, everybody, you know? We want to think it's only about people, and that's a speciesist ideology. That includes animals, animals as well. I would say if your actions are resulting in harm to animals, you're doing wrong. You don't have a right to do that. And there are people who will argue this because they believe this biblical bunk that we've been given dominion over animals by God. No, if anything... And this could be even be pushing it. We're, we're stewards to help guide them in their evolutionary path. But we should know better in the ways of right and wrong. And sad, so of us do understand this difference.
Welcome back. Right back to the subject matter. We're talking about conscience and natural law. We were looking at slide number six on the What on Earth is Happening dot com radio show page or in the podcast archive. The difference between right and wrong in a very simple, concise, and clear chart. Uh, and just let me just briefly say, um, I'm not going to be taking phone calls now or until the end of the um, uh, section on the non-supportive dominators. I mentioned this last week. So uh, for as many weeks as it takes me to go through this material, that's you're only going to be hearing me on this show. Um, that's how I'm doing it for this section. I'll probably do a call-in show and let a bunch of people call in, voice their opinions, but... Um, for the non-supportive dominator section, I'm giving this presentation and I'm going to say what I want, when I want, because I want to put this information out there the way I want it to go out there. If you don't agree with any of it, or you want to elaborate on any of it more, even if you do agree, you could get your own show and do that. But for the week's that are required to go through the information on the non-supportive dominators, you will only be hearing Mark Passio speak on the show. I'm going to go back to taking calls on the show after this section is done. You could talk about what I presented after that, but I want this material uninterrupted. Okay? So, the slide continues with the definition of wrong. And the reason we use the term wrong in the context of being both incorrect and immoral is because it is the same thing. Incorrect is immoral. Actions that are not based in truth, meaning they are incorrect, will also not be based in natural law. So if we are wrong, meaning we have wrong information, our actions will be geared toward non harmony with natural law and therefore will be creating chaos. The simple definition of wrong is that actions based in it result in harm to other living beings, other sentient beings. And as I was saying before the break, that includes living beings, period. You know, we want to be speciesist and think it's only about people, but it's about animals as well. And, you know, part of the reason I've said this before, I'll repeat it again, I'm always repeating and again, that's deliberate because just like repetition is a form of mind control, it's a way to take someone out of mind control. They keep hearing the same things over and over enough, they'll start thinking about them, a seed will be planted, and eventually it will grow. You know? So, you know, uh, what we do to animals is a big part of why we're experiencing what we're experiencing. And I'll tell you a very simple truth. What we do to others, not only will it be done to us, it must be done to us. Now, you put that in the context of what we do to animals as human beings, what we do to animals as a species, and you, un- you will understand what is coming. And, you know, in a lot of ways, I don't have a problem with what's coming. You know, I'm trying to prevent it because I don't like to see beings suffering. But is the suffering that's going to be experienced richly deserved? You better believe it is. You better believe that it is. 
because we're allowing so much violence and wrongdoing to take place on our watch that it's deplorable. It's reprehensible. And people just don't want to hear it spoken like that. You know, they want you to tell them they're wonderful beings and they're do always doing the right thing. And it's not true. That isn't the truth. So I'm not going to get up here and lie to people on the microphone and tell them that everybody is just a wonderful being that really is following their conscience because they're not. And that's why they're in this mess. And sometimes following your conscience means you might have to experience personal pain. You might have to pull back from a situation that's going to result in some form of pain in the immediate present tense scenario. But in the long term, you're doing work upon the soul, which is about your evolutionary progress as a being, as a consciousness. And therefore, the reward comes in the long term. That's what people can't understand. Doing the right thing may involve personal pain in the immediate sense. And that's all people want to avoid. They want to avoid pain in the immediate sense. Because they're never looking at things really down the road. They're looking at, what am I doing that's... And actually, they are in the future moment too. But what I mean when it comes to pain is all they care about is this going to create pain for me right now in the short term. You know, they're not worried about the pain that might come as, as a result of them continuing to do what they're doing that is wrong. So I'll leave the slide for right and wrong there. There's much more. I expanded on this a lot in the natural law section, which I highly encourage people to go back and listen to again, even if you already heard it. The next slide is about knowing what natural law is all about. Natural law is basically putting forward that you can do what you want so long as you're not harming or defrauding another person. It's that simple. Harm none, do what you will. That's it. That's how easy natural law can be explained. But the first thing is harm none. That's it. That's the first and foremost. That means that's the principle. Harm none, do what you will. Harm none is first principle, first thing. The first violation of nat natural law means of the violation of natural law means that a living being must be harmed or defrauded. That's how you know a violation of natural law rights has taken place. And so many people are enacting violence and destroying people's natural law rights for no violation of natural law. For something that people do have a right to do. These cops or soldiers are coming in and saying, well, you can't do that because our owners told us you, well, that they don't like it. And that's it. And now I'm going to stop you from doing it. Like the Pittsburgh thugs did at the G20 a couple of years back. Taking people's natural law right to speak their mind away because their owners, their dog masters, that they have these little puppies on their leashes and they think they're real men, okay, told them, commanded them, you're going to go out and stop these people from speaking because we don't like what they're going to say. And yes, master, right away. And I'm a real man. And part of the problem is they know so much that they're not real men. They hate themselves. And that's why they want to go and be psychophants to these to these complete lunatics, to these total psychopaths. And we're going to talk about that self-loathing. 
topics coming up that are going to explain why police do think the way they do, why they have the psychology that they do. We're going to talk about self-loathing. We're going to talk about repressed sexuality and a lot of repressed homosexuality when it comes to the police. We're going to talk about trauma and bullying, how they've lived through trauma and can't get over it, can't get out of the past to live in the present moment. And then they identify with the perpetrator or the victim of the trauma. Identification with perpetrator, identification with victim. These are all upcoming topics in the non-supportive dominator section. And then ultimately the big one is the hatred for personal responsibility. They want to remain eternal infants when it comes to making responsible choices for their own actions. So they want other people constantly direct their actions for them so that they feel that they're never personally responsible for that which they do. All of these things are coming up in future shows. I might have a whole show dedicated to each one of them. So like I said, this section's going to be a while because people will get why these people act like they're not just know that they act that way. They're going to understand the why, and that's the real source of power. Right back, folks. Go back, natural law and we're going to be talking about justification and hopefully we can get to apophysis in the last segment to continue with slide number seven rights that do not exist for an individual cannot be granted we talked about that a little bit earlier man's law cannot grant special rights to people and that's the entire problem with creating a government to begin with this is the abdication of personal responsibility and thinking that you can grant to a, an entity that is comprised of certain groups of individuals rights that individuals themselves do not have. And this is folly. And that's why there is no such thing as government that can ever work. Minarchists don't get it. They're not really on the path of higher consciousness because they still believe in authority. And the grant of rights, there is no such thing as the grant of rights ladies and gentlemen, rights are inherent. The creator gave us the rights, regardless of what you want to think of that force as, again, I'm not religious. That's not a religious statement. Okay, I told you, I think of it as the underlying universal intelligent force that binds everything in creation, that makes life possible at all, that makes existence possible at all. It is consciousness itself. Okay, it is truth itself. It is natural law itself. That force granted me rights and you rights because it created the laws of right and wrong. It created the laws of behavioral consequence or natural law. Therefore, that's why I have certain rights and don't have other rights. And everyone else has the same rights. There are no special rights for me. Man cannot just decide this person has a right. No. You either have the right or you don't have the right. It's not because man decided it. You need to discover whether you have the right or not. Know it. You can't grant rights to anyone else for any reason. Creating a government is folly because you are 
in the business then of granting rights to other people that don't exist for individuals. And I, again, all I can say is I feel sorry for people that don't understand that. You're creating suffering for yourself and others, and you don't know it. You don't know that that's what you're doing, is that you're creating chaos in the world by even thinking that way. This is the problem. People continuing to think that authority is real and legitimate is the problem. The next slide. To understand what rights are, we have to look at them in the apophatic sense. And that's why understanding apophysis is so important. We have to look at the negative and say, what are, what are my rights not? What don't I have a right to do because it creates harm in another being's life? Okay? Then refrain from those actions. Say no to them. And that's how you're doing right. By not doing wrong. People have a, a tough time with that concept of affirmation through negation. It is all about, I'm not even trying to tell people, I'm not in any way trying to tell people what to do. What I'm trying to tell people is what they should not do. Because there are things that you do, if you engage in them, you are creating suffering that is self-inflicted. And you're creating chaos, not only in the world for other people, but for yourself. In your own life, chaos is getting created because you're not going to be insulated from the repercussions and the consequences of those decisions. You're going to experience negative effects from them. I highly recommend the works of Richard W. Wetherill. A, a listener to the show recommended them, and I was not familiar with them, and I have since become very familiar with his work and checked it all out and read uh, some of his material that I was able to find online. And I'm telling you, this guy understood it beautifully, beautifully. And he was from the area that I'm from. He was from uh, the suburban region of Philadelphia. I'm right in the city, but he was from the outskirts of the city of Philadelphia and I believe died back in the 1960s or 70s. But uh, th this gentleman was so on point and people should become familiar with his work. Um, but... To continue with the slide about natural law and rights, we need to understand them in the apophatic sense. We need to understand what wrongs are before we could really understand what our rights are. And so few people think that what they're doing is wrong that is wrong. You know, they think that they have the right to do this and that and that and that. And they don't because they're creating harm. And they're trying to uh, suppress the rights of other people. And they don't have those rights. Natural law holds true regardless of population. It doesn't matter how many people there are in the world. There could be two people or 200 quadrillion people. And their natural law still operates the same way. So to say, oh, well, you can do that if there's only a couple of people, but hey, we're living in a population with tons and tons of people, you know, no. It doesn't make a difference how many people there are. Either you have a right or you don't have a right. Numbers are irrelevant when it comes to rights. And the people who think that somehow population makes a difference as to what rights people have are under mind control. It has nothing to do with population. But a good way of thinking about rights is if there were only two people, would I have a right to do it? So let's say you're on an island, there's only two people there, okay? Nobody else around for hundreds of miles, or even envision there's only you and one other person on the earth. You climb up a tree, 
every day because you know how to climb to get some berries at the top or whatever, okay, fruit, whatever, and somebody else who isn't maybe capable of doing that, maybe there's tons of other food available, okay, it doesn't mean it's the only food, I'm not saying that, and you're preventing them from eating when you're in a position to help, there's tons of food, but they want that fruit that's up in that tree, and they're telling you every time you come down, no matter how much you have, I'm taking half. You have to give me half. You have a moral obligation to give me half. Well, that's the fruit of your labor, literally, pun intended, okay? And you're under no moral obligation unless you want to voluntarily give or trade with him. But he can't coerce you and force you. He's not being kept alive by that. He just wants it because you have it. He can't say, if you don't give me that half of that fruit, I'm going to take a club and beat your head in. Okay? Now, you know, maybe a person could look at it like, well, you're not being very nice by not sharing. But the whole point is, sharing needs to be something that is voluntarily driven by a state of consciousness. Maybe you would climb up and decide willfully to give him some of that fruit. But he isn't automatically entitled to it just because you were able to climb the tree and he wasn't. You did the labor. Okay? He can't say to you, I'm taking it, and if you don't give it to me, I'm going to take violent action against you. And that's all taxation is. We have to understand that's not a right. We can give voluntarily, willfully, if we want to give something to you be used for certain purposes, but nobody can tell you you must give a certain amount of your, the product of your labor or they're going to do violence against you. That's not a right. That's not a right if there's Two people, it's not a right if there's two billion people. It's not a right if there's 200 trillion people. You can never make that into a right by writing it down and saying now it's a right and now our enforcers are coming to get you or take your property or take your money or take your freedom as they do with people who try to keep the products of their earnings because they don't want to be coerced and told how they need to spend it. And even if the spending is immoral, and it's, it's, it's going to wage war and kill people. Nobody's going to tell me how my resources are going to be spent for immoral things. No, it isn't happening. You're not going to tell me, yeah, we're going to go and kill these children now with the money you handed us. Not from, not from me. Maybe from you, but not me. Good luck. Because you can kill me a billion times and you still won't get a penny. So, when in doubt as to whether an action is in harmony with natural law, a good visual ex visualization exercise to do is imagine a world with only two people. And then if it's a right, it's right. If it's not, you have no right to take that action. It doesn't matter how many people or who told you you are allowed to do it. So, the people on slide number nine, the creators of the dark new world order, as they definitely are, people want, don't want to hear that, they think it's harsh, you know, they think that that's overstating things or, you know, not putting the emphasis or the blame where it really belongs. And that's who it really belongs with, the people on this slide. They are the people leading the human race into bondage and enslavement. I don't really care who gets upset over that. Pound your head against the wall if you like. Bang your fists on the desk. Go break some glass. Go break some plates. Get as angry about it as you want and get as offended about it as you want. Those are the creators of the dark new world order who listen to their owners, listen to their masters, who obey 
like the non-men that they are. These aren't real men. Real men stand for truth and, and real freedom. They don't operate their lives on a leash. following along in the image today's images on the what on earth is happening.com radio show page we were talking about the police and military images depicted on slide number nine and these are the people who are really leading us into enslavement not the dark occultists the dark occultists are the people whispering in these people's ear telling them what they should and should not do and because of the inherent self-loathing because of the weakness, the spiritual, intellectual, psychological weakness of these individuals, and because they loathe personal responsibility to choose right action over wrong action, they want to be led like a little puppy dog on a leash. And they want to be told what they are allowed to do and not allowed to do. They want to be told what time to get up, when to, when to go to the bathroom, when to eat, when to sleep. And they think they're real men and women. They think they're real beings when in fact almost everything that makes up a genuine individual has been completely removed from them. And they're being told at every turn that they're no longer a real individual. They dress alike, they walk alike, they act alike, they talk alike. You're being told that you're a clone. It's mockery by them even putting you all in the same uniform. You're being told you're a clone. Like the stormtroopers are a clone in Star Wars. And I might do an, an entire two programs on the occult mockery of the military and police like I did at the Free Your Mind conference. And if anyone hasn't seen that presentation, you should watch it. And I should go over that again on the show because it's something I didn't touch on extensively. But the dark occultists who, who own this planet right now because we've let them own it through our ignorance as a people, they loathe these individuals so much more than the general population that it's impossible for me to even really describe it. I could not communicate to you the hatred and loathing that they have for these people. It would practically be impossible for you to grasp it unless you were in a room with them. Because you can palpably feel the seething hatred that is coming off of them because they know how degraded as a being these people are and have allowed themselves to become. And that's ultimately what they hate more than anything else. That's why they want to eradicate people who have allowed themselves through their weakness to become like that. And let me tell you something. There are not times when I don't feel like that. There are times when I feel like that. 
What the difference between me and the dark occultist is, is I stopped just thinking that what needs to be done is these people need to be done away with because I think that if you give people accurate information instead of holding back knowledge from them, not all of them, but most of them will make a willful decision to decide to choose the right over the wrong. Conditions have a lot to do with that as well, which is why the improvement of conditions has to play into that choice. You know, watch trading places. You change conditions externally and you watch someone's behavior change. The movie Trading Places, a beautiful, elegant, Masonic allegory by Aaron Rousseau that displays that human nature is not some predetermined thing that is set a certain way, that you change the conditions, you will change what the nature of the person will become like. And that's a higher order of understanding that was taught by all the mystery school traditions. So I'm going to talk a little bit about justification to end the show. I'm going to leave the section on apophysis uh, and I'm going to leave those four slides as a teaser for next week. I'll just briefly tell you that I'm going to break down four allegories about apophysis and about the word no. Okay? And I'm going to, we're going to look at the matrix, equilibrium, rise of the planet of the apes, which is the uh, first um, episode in the new Planet of the Apes saga. I believe it's going to be a new saga. Okay? And a movie called The Box. And these are all allegorical fictions, allegorical works of fiction, all about the situation that humanity is in right now, and suggesting a very, very, very powerful solution on how we might extract ourselves from the dangerous and perilous and extraordinarily suffering laden state that we the condition that we are in as a species how we might help to free ourselves from that a way out and that's what apophysis is it is the speaking of the word no in other words it is saying what i'm going to do by saying no to what i will not do to what you will not make me do to what I, I will not willfully choose to do. Apophysis, coming from the Greek noun by the same name, apophysis, which comes from the Greek word, apo, uh, verb, apophanai, which means not to speak, to remain silent, or it could be construed as to say no, not to say, to say no. So that allegorical breakdown I'll save for next week rather than rush through it this week. But what I want to talk about is how these non-selves, how these beings who are anything but a true self and a true individual, these collectivists, these group think mentality people in the police and military come up with all kinds of justifications for why they do the immoral things that they do. And worse than that, people who are even oppressed by their immoral actions come up with justifications for why they need to continue to do what they do. 
Oh, if it wasn't for us, society would exist in total chaos. No, no, no. Ignoramus. It is because of you that society is in the chaotic state that it is. You do not insulate anyone from chaos or suffering. Harmony with natural law does that. One aligning their actions with natural law is what insulates someone from chaos and self-inflicted suffering. Not violent action taken under the authoritarian dictates of your psychopathic owners. You can never be exercising your conscience. You can only be making justifications for your actions in a capacity such as this. And what justification means, as seen on slide number 10, it comes from the Latin words, jus, which means right or law, and faciere, which means to make or to create. Okay? We get the word fascist from that, too, to force on someone to use force to create or to make fascism comes from the word fa uh, faccio facciere which means to make to make someone do something well this in the sense I'm using it justification is to create a right and I put create in quotes because you can never create right right is self-existing it is inherent it always exists it is always one way. You can't make new rights. No more than you could eliminate or strike rights out of creation. And that's what justification is. It's man saying to himself, I'm going to make that right in my own mind. I'm going to create a right that doesn't exist. Slap a label on it and saying, well, that's a right now. That's okay. That's all right. That's right. Yeah, you didn't know. You know, everything that was done in the Third Reich was totally legal under man's law. Everything that was done in Soviet Russia was totally legal under man's law. Laws were passed to justify all of that immoral behavior. And this is what justification always leads to, ladies and gentlemen. A field full of bodies. No, earn it into your memory. Know that that's how the... It 